Thank you very much. It's wonderful to be here. And that's probably one of the finest renditions of Be Still and Know on the piano there during communion. That was absolutely wonderful. I really enjoyed that. I've enjoyed all of it, but so that was especially good. Um, well, thank you so much for making me feel so welcome here this morning. My name's Mark Hope, and I help to lead a church in Red Hill called Christ Central. Uh, you may know us. We have a, a coffee shop in the middle of town called West Central. Um, and I've been part of that church since it was planted um, way back in uh, 1991. Uh, and that was the same year that uh, I became a Christian, the same year I became uh, a follower of Jesus. And Red Hill is a great place. But as I said to uh, my church three weeks ago, the, the centre of the universe has now changed and the centre of the universe is now actually Hawley. And, and, and the reason for that is because three weeks ago I moved here with my family, which had a bit of a groan when I told my uh, home church that. But I know you're now delighted. Um, and uh, this morning was quite unusual for me because the, for the first time in probably 25 or 30 years, I walked to church because uh, I've moved to Vicarage Lane, just around the corner. And the reason for this is because uh, Christ Central, our church, we feel that we want to start a site in Hawley. Um, so I've been speaking with all of the, the ministers in Hawley and we've met together, so this is no surprise to them. This isn't the announcement that's being made this morning. Um, so we're starting something very small. We haven't got a building or anything like that. We're just going to start meeting in my home and just see where God leads us. But what was so wonderful when I came and spoke to um, all of the local ministers, uh, probably getting on for a year ago now, is how well um, that news was received by all of them. And I've got to know Martin uh, very well as well, and I hear he's actually at my church this morning, which is good. Um, And I, I just think it's wonderful when churches can work together. There are so many people who don't know Jesus There are so many people who don't even know that they're lost. And to be able to work with fellow brothers and sisters in Christ, to be able to work together across the churches is a real thrill for me. So I'm really looking forward to not only getting to know you, but getting to know Hawley uh, better as well. And I have to say we're really enjoying it as a family. My wife and three young children um, are, are loving being in Hawley, especially on today days like today where the sun is shining. It's wonderful. So that's enough about me. Um, I'm going to pray and then we're going to open God's word. And also I'd like to say hello to the the people who are next door in the Cafe Church. Um, I was going to say it's good to see you, but I can't actually see you, but I know you can see me, which I hope is a a blessing. So um, let's pray. Father God, I thank you for the honour and privilege of opening your word this morning. And I pray that as we read what is written, these writings that are as relevant today as they have been over the hundreds, thousands of years. Lord, I pray that we would change in response to what we hear this morning. And Lord, would you use my words? Holy Spirit, would you fuel everything I say? This isn't about what I can say, but this is about what you can do through your word. So this morning, Lord, I pray that we would be attentive to your word that hearts would soften, that eyes would be opened, that ears would be listening to what you have to say to us. 
in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay, so for the last number of weeks, you've been looking at Romans 12, uh, verses 1 to 3. as part of your living sacrifice series. So I'm here today to look at one particular aspect of that. And the idea of uh, going through this, and this is what um, I've been sent by, by Martin, so this is my brief, if you like, um, is to look at how we can possibly see our lives changed um, when as, ourselves, although we're citizens of heaven, we may not act like the people that we want to be, let alone the people that God expects us to be. So I'm going to, to read these uh, verses to you again. I know you're very familiar with them, but it's good, to, uh, maybe if you're visiting here for the first time, just to, to listen to these words. So this is from Romans 12, from verse 1, which says this, I appeal to you, brothers, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind, that by testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. And today I'm looking specifically at holiness. Um, Paul here, who is writing to the the Roman church, is encouraging the followers of of Jesus to live um, lives which are holy and acceptable to God, pleasing to God. And As you have heard, because I've listened to some of the talks that you've had over the last uh, few weeks, um, Paul is writing off this one word. He's saying, therefore, and then he goes into what he says next. But what he's saying is, therefore, because of God's mercy, because of the this thing that God has given you in Jesus that you don't deserve, that you haven't earned, which is grace, being given something that we haven't earned or haven't deserved, which we've been singing about this morning. Because of this, this is how you respond to him. So I'm I'm going to try really hard not to stray into last week's talk or stray into next week's talk. I'm going to try and keep this quite focused on holiness and looking at holiness. So what is... Being holy. What, what is this all about? We, we know that God is holy. Is it possible that we too can be holy? Now, when I became a Christian um, in my, well, I was 20 years old. So it's about the same time that I started joining a church, which then moved to Rygate from Crawley to Rygate to start, uh, start this church or to Redhill. It was an interesting time for me. And this, this is the reason why it was an interesting time for me to become a Christian. And I'm going to be very honest with you this morning, which I know you'll be grateful for because you don't want to have a, a dishonest preacher. Um, I'm going to be honest with you because when I was 20, I had become quite independent. I had moved out of home. I, was, uh, I had a fairly decent job. I had fairly good money. I had my own car. Things were, things were looking good. But the one thing that happened when I became a Christian, which I still can't quite get my head around, and, and um, I, I'm quite nervous to say this, I hope this is well received, I hope you don't think this is uh, going a bit too far, but one of the things that I noticed is that at the same time, I suddenly had interest from ladies. All of a sudden, people were interested in me. Ladies were interested in me. Because all my life I'd never really had much success with the ladies. Um, at school, there really was no interest at all. And at college, 
there was little interest. And then I started work and no, no, no one was particularly interested. And, and I've often reflected on this. And um, my wife, who I've been married to now for 14 years, um, she's seen some photos of me from the 80s. And uh, reading between the lines, I think she's given me some insight as to what the problem was. <laughs> and, and she said to me, um, didn't they have any mirrors in the 1980s? <laughs> now, here's the thing. Everyone had bad hair in the 80s. Um, and in my opinion, this might not be shared, but I think the 80s should stay in the 80s. Uh, but to my horror, recently I discovered that a number of teenage uh, young lads, including my nephew, the 80s seems to be coming back in permed hair for teenage boys. And I think this is a horror that we need to pray against. <laughs> because it is not right at all. Now, I'm not saying that permed hair is wrong. I'm saying permed hair in teenage boys. But it seems to be coming back. Anyway, back to my point. So at 20 years old, I had everything, um, including now, female attention. But I was a follower of Jesus. Now, please don't hear what I'm not saying. I'm not saying that women are bad or a bad influence. I'm not saying any of that. But as a young man who um, was enjoying living life, I had put my faith in Jesus and I was told that there were certain things that, as a Christian, it was not good for me to do, or not good for me to get involved in. There are all sorts of things, all sorts of things, but also in relationships, there are some, you know, as a, as a young man, there were things that the, the leaders of my church said, that there are some things that you need to keep pure, there needs to be holiness. And I began to think this Christianity business was very, very difficult. Because what I didn't understand at the time was that putting my faith in Jesus wasn't like joining a club where you have to keep a list of rules. And if you disobeyed the rules, you get kicked out of the club. But I also knew that Jesus was my example. I knew that in Jesus I uh, not only had eternal life, but in following it with him I would have uh, a richness, a fullness of life which otherwise I would never be able to experience. Um, and I remember one of the verses that um, I, I love, and one of the verses I heard as, a, as an early Christian was that Jesus um, came that I can have life and life in abundance, and that he is the good shepherd. He is the one that laid his life down for me, and in him I would have everything I need. But I still had this problem. And it was this, that no matter how hard I tried to be holy, to be, to be pure, to live a life that was acceptable to God, I kept failing. I kept doing things that I felt fell short of a perfect and holy God. And if I kept failing, I thought to myself, well, how can God accept me? Because if I infer from these verses that we're reading it it says if I do these things and does that mean that I'm not pleasing to God and if I'm not pleasing to God because of the things that I do will he reject me will he think less of me than if I was this person that kept all the rules and does what we do affect our eternal relationship with God Because if this is the case, then it seems to me that it somehow dilutes what Jesus did on a cross. 
The question is, is God seeking perfection from you? If you're a follower of Jesus today, is he seeking perfection? And if you don't know Jesus, if you haven't made that step of faith to follow him, is this Jesus too higher person? Is is what is being asked of you too much because of this word holiness? I wonder if there is anyone in this building who has become the judge of their relationship with God based on what they do. Because this is a very risky thing to do when you become the judge and the jury and you decide what God thinks of you based on what you do rather than what God thinks of you based on what he has done for you. And perhaps you are sitting here this morning and you're thinking, if people knew the things that I thought and the things that I did, they would be ashamed of me. If my family were aware of some of the things that I thought, some of the things that I got up to, they might not even call me a Christian anymore. And, and we're very good at judging ourselves, aren't we? We're very good at, at thinking, well, this, this, is, this is how I feel before God. This is where I stand. I, maybe I shouldn't be praying for anything at the moment because I need to, to jump through a few hoops before he, he realises that I'm actually a good person. We're, we're, we're also, we also get asked, maybe, I, I get asked this sometimes, maybe you get asked this too. Um, you're asked to decide whether someone is a Christian or not. And it's normally based on, on what that person has done or, or perhaps their lifestyle. And again, we can become the people, sometimes we think, well, maybe they are based on what they do, maybe they're not. Or, or you get the even bigger question, and I've had this a few times. Uh, there's this person, and um, this is what they're like, Mark. And I want you to tell me, do you think they'll go to heaven when they die? I mean, what, how can I answer that question? Or perhaps you've heard people say, well, <coughs> that person there, based on what they do, based on the life that they live, they are going to hell. And, and you know, we, we tend to have a, an idea or, or an understanding based on what people do, based on their holiness. So where do we... Where do we go with this? Where do we stand? Is it humanly possible to be acceptable to God? To be holy enough that he looks at us and he says, I'm pleased with you. I wonder when the last time you had the over-sensing whelm of, I am pleasing to God. And God is pleased with me. Now, some of you here might be so humble that the thought of even thinking that God could be pleased with you might even be a sin because you're thinking, oh, I can't, I can't possibly think that God's pleased with me. I'd never say such, a, such an arrogant thing. Now, I have um, a son and two daughters. The eldest is 12 and the youngest is 8. And all of you are sons and daughters of someone. Now, you may not have a, a good relationship with your earthly father. Some of you may not even know your, your earthly father. But this is the best way I can describe 
what your heavenly father thinks of you. And if you're not a Christian this morning, please do listen because this gives you some understanding of what God thinks of his children, of those he's created. So first of all, just to set this up, I'm not a perfect dad by any stretch of the imagination. I I make mistakes, I get things wrong, Um, sometimes I say things that aren't particularly great. Parents make mistakes. But on the occasions when uh, my kids do things wrong, when perhaps they're unholy or they're not pure and perfect and righteous, what is my reaction? And what is their reaction? Well, my reaction might be something like this. Why did you do that? What, what were you thinking? You know, what was going through your mind when you peeled that bit of wallpaper off the wall? What was happening? Uh, and their reaction might be the same. What was I thinking? Why, why did I do that? But what will never happen in these situations, I, I, I will never ever say the following. I'll never say, because of what you have done, because of your unholiness, because of the thing that you said and the thing that you did, I can no longer accept you as my son or daughter. Now imagine me, six foot five dad, and my sweet little girl Dulcie, looking up at me with a cheeky smile, her big brown eyes, A tear in her eye, maybe, holding a bit of wallpaper. (laughs) And I say to her, I'm afraid, Dulcie, because of what you've done, you have broken our relationship. And, And although this really saddens me, I no longer accept you. I don't love you, and I can't call you my daughter anymore. And in fact... There are not enough hoops you could jump through. There is not enough good you can do to make it right again. Now, can you imagine a a father saying that to his son or daughter? Of course you can't. It's wrong. And, And I'm not even a perfect dad. And I wouldn't say that. But our Father in heaven, who is perfect, he came to us when we didn't even know he was for us. He came to us when we were unholy, when we were in a mess. Jesus said that he came to seek and save the lost. The lost who didn't know that there was a God who loved them, a God who could accept them. He called us out of this mess, this shame, this guilt. He said, here I am. I want to know you. I want you to know me. God says that he's the one that can lead us into a fulfilled life. And when we respond to him, when we accept Jesus at his word, we receive something that we haven't earned. We receive something that we couldn't possibly do to get. We receive from God a restored relationship through Jesus. We receive forgiveness. We become adopted Sons and daughters. And it gets even better. Can you imagine it can get better than that? Well, it does. Because the backdrop of of holiness is that God first came to us when we were in a mess and he made us clean. But how much more will 
his desire be to encourage us and remind us of who we are in Christ when we get things wrong, when we make mistakes, when we do things that we think are unholy or or not pure or make us unacceptable to him. Because this isn't just me saying this, the Bible says exactly what our status is with God. And this, this will really help us understand what it means to be holy. Because if you've responded to God in faith, if you've accepted his free gift of life through Jesus, through what Jesus did on the cross, in taking everything that we've done, everything that makes us unacceptable, Jesus took upon himself. He died, but he overcame death. He rose to life. And in him, we too can be alive in Christ and we can become one in Christ, united in Christ. In Christ, in Galatians, Paul says, I've been crucified with Christ and I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. And it's always good in the Bible where there is more than one place that says the same thing. In Colossians, Paul tells us that our lives are hidden in Christ. And in Ephesians, we're told something absolutely mind-blowing. Are you prepared to have your minds blown? We were going through this in a a prayer meeting this week, and, and it's so hard to get our heads around, but it's so helpful in understanding where we stand with God. It says this, But God, being rich in mercy, because of the great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses, in all the things that separate us from God, he made us alive together in Christ. By grace you have been saved and raised up with him and seated us with him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus. That means somehow we are seated with Christ. We have Christ within us. We have God's holiness as part of who we are for those that have accepted his free gift. God is holy, but the miracle of salvation in Jesus is that because of this joining with Jesus, this acceptance, this togetherness with God, we are now able to participate with God. He, he dwells in us and we dwell with him. And because of this, God's holiness becomes our holiness as well. So any thoughts or ideas that you might have about what makes you holy must be viewed in this understanding of, of what the Bible says of who the Bible says that you are. And and if we think of ourselves in, in these terms, it doesn't matter what your past life says to you. It doesn't matter some of the things that you may still think about, that may still trouble you, because in Christ you are made new. In Christ you are holy and acceptable to God. We are made new in Jesus. He completely and utterly restores us. So God's call to be holy is 
so much more than a list of rules to obey. A call to be holy requires nothing short of giving everything we have to God. Our lives, our possessions, our thoughts, our desires, our dreams, that we might live in Jesus for Jesus. Because holiness, holiness becomes part of who we now are. It becomes part of your identity. You are holy because Jesus in you is holy. And there is grace for us today. There is grace for us once again to move beyond our understanding of who you were and now understand who you are. Because by God's Spirit, he, he lavishes his love on us. He lavishes his forgiveness on us. So what I'd like to, to leave you with is this. is If you feel that somehow you have, have let God down, don't become the judge and the jury of your relationship. He says, come to me. I haven't abandoned you. I haven't left you. Don't fall into this, this moral trap where we make mistakes and somehow that determines what our Father in heaven thinks of us. Jesus, we are told, and this is slightly changing the wording, Jesus fulfills the rule book. There were laws and there were Rules that had to be kept. In the Old Testament writings, there are many things that people had to do. But Jesus said, I came to fulfill this law. And these rules are good. But Jesus is the fulfillment of those things. He is the one that, that brings it all to make sense to us so that we can know freedom, that we no longer have to live by a list of rules. We can be completely aware of when we mess up. But actually in Jesus, we are made holy. And we can return to him again and again and again and ask him just to remind us who we are in him. So this morning, I'd love to, I'd love to pray with you in a a moment. If, if you're able to, I'm going to ask you to stand and I would just like to spend a moment just asking that uh, God would minister to us. And if there is anyone here, or if there's anyone listening next door, and you've never put your faith in Jesus, if you didn't know that you had a Father in heaven who wants desperately for you to know him, I'm just going to ask that God would do something within your heart so you'd be able to take a step closer to him. Maybe it would be a a, a conversation with a friend who brought you. Maybe it would be signing up for something like Alpha. Maybe it would be, perhaps for the first time, just taking that bold step of, of praying and saying, God, if you're there, I want to know you. So can I please invite you to stand if you're able to, or if you're more comfortable, please do remain sitting. And I'm going to pray for us all. Sometimes it's helpful when we are being prayed for 
um, to close our eyes, and some of you might want to hold out your hands as if you want, you know, in an expression of receiving something from God, just symbolizing to God that you're just wanting to receive something for Him. It's, it's up to you, whatever uh, you're comfortable with. God's Word says this What then shall we say to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? Father, I thank you that even the thought of being holy and pure can be so daunting. Yet we all have a desire to stand before you this morning and be acceptable to you, to be pleasing to you, that we could be living sacrifices, that we could in ourselves just express everything that's been done by you for us that we can just say Lord we're so grateful and we freely receive all that you have done for us and I pray for those who have been perhaps too harsh on themselves I pray for those where there are things that are hanging over them that just need to be given back to you because Jesus when you died on that cross you died for everything And we don't want to be those who dilute that incredible truth that your blood shed as we celebrated this morning, that your body broken was enough, but you overcame death. And in you we have life too. And I pray, Holy Spirit, that you'd minister to those who are struggling, you minister to those who are hard on themselves. And I pray that there is freedom this morning in knowing that we are alive in you. And you look at us like that loving Father you are. And you just run to us and you just wrap your arms around us. And you say, my son, my daughter. And Father, I pray for those who don't know you this morning. Lord, would you continue to... Just call out. And we ask that we would have the boldness to respond to your voice, whether it be through your word, through a friend, through your spirit, just whispering in our ear that we need to respond to you. I pray for all those who are desperate and are looking, and I pray, Father, that in you they would find the truth. So, Lord, I thank you for today. I thank you that... This is a holy day, a day centered on you. And I pray that our lives would reflect what you have done for us. In Jesus' name, amen.